thank you, Lord, that you have given us the breath of life, that you chose to bring us into this world. You chose to create us, each one of us individually, the entire human race, but also each one of us. You chose to create us. But you knew us even in the mother's womb. You knew our name and who we, who we would become. You chose a path for us, a destiny, a fate, a calling, a choosing. But you chose us. And even though many of us were last to be chosen, in the schools of the world, gymnasiums, people did not choose us. They didn't choose us to be first on the basketball team, baseball or football. Many of us were chosen to be last, and it didn't feel good in our childhood to be last. But praise God, it feels good to be last in this generation. That you chose us for the most important generation. That you chose us for this end time work. Not just Pastor Tim, Apostle Zimmerman, but every member of this congregation. We are each a part of the church, an important part, as each joint supplies the strength of that particular joint to hold the entire frame together. And the last shall be first into the kingdom. We praise your holy name. We thank you, Father, that you are the ultimate and greatest Father, the Father of all mankind, and the Father of wisdom, strength, and courage, and righteousness, and truth. You are the great architect and the great physician. You are the one that designeth all creation. The plan is yours. We are yours, and the entire earth is yours, and all the inhabitants thereof. You are God. You are God alone. And there is none other that shares your glory, and you are one. The Almighty Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the eternal God, our God, our King, our Lord, our Master, the lover of our soul, our kinsman redeemer, Jesus Almighty. Praise your holy name. We thank you, Lord, for, we, for where we stand today. We thank you for this place. We thank you for what you're about to do, for what you've already done, what you're going to do. Thank you.
thank you, Lord, for your plan. For it is perfect. Please help us to walk in the center of your will. Please straighten our paths. Please realign our thoughts and our hearts and our beliefs and our thinking. Please give us spiritual eyesight and strong discernment. Please give us wisdom and intelligence and common sense and logic. Help us to act wisely by the power of your Spirit. Please give us more of your Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost of Jesus that died but is alive. Teach us more. Show us the error of our ways. Deliver us from all evil. Save us from temptation. Help us to live more righteous and more holy and more acceptable to you. May this sermon be a good root for someone and a deliverance for someone, a healing for someone, and salvation for someone. May it not return void nor vain, but accomplish the purpose of which forth it has been sent. In Jesus' name. Have your way, Father. Speak through us, move through us, work through us, and help us to be your body, your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouth and ears on this earth. Use us, sin us, and it shall be your will occur on this earth as it is in heaven. Help us to be your kingdom even now your citizens, your ambassadors, your governors, your people. In Jesus' name, so be it. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise Jesus. You may be seated. And let's turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 2. Genesis, chapter 2. You're listening to the live worship services of I Saw the Light Ministries coming to you live out of the Great Smoky Mountains of Eastern Tennessee in the United States of America. We're going to be reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible. The Alpha and Omega Bible. A restoration of the original scriptures. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. And the Theos, most people say Theos, but my biblical studies prove that it's actually Theos. The Theos pottered the human from the dust of the earth. Pottered because Jeremiah says that God is the great potter, and we are the pottery, we are the clay. And he pottered us. He formed us as pottery, as a vessel, 
from the dust of the earth. And he breathed into his nostrils, into Adam's nostrils, the breath of life. And the human became a living soul. Amen. Let's jump down to verse 18. Genesis 2, verse 18. And the Lord of the Theos said, It's not good that the human should be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. <coughs> Amen. We know that helper was Eve, his wife. Amen. Eve was made as a helper for Adam, not as an equal. We are not here today to share political correctness or to appease any political party or anyone. We are here today to hear the word of God. We are a church, a congregation and a religious organization. Under the American Constitution, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the American Constitution guarantees and promises freedom of speech and freedom of religion. And today we exercise our freedom of speech and our freedom of religion. Amen. And there is no Congress or president or presidential fraud or dictator or any human ruler on this earth that can remove our God-given rights or even over and above the Constitution, the biblical, God-given, Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost Breathed right to be a man or a woman, whichever God created you as. It is a God-given right to be the gender that God formed you and to look at another person and say, that is a man. For that is a woman, and there is no other gender. You can search from A to Z, from Alpha and Omega. You can search from page one to a page over a thousand pages. You can search with a magnifying glass. You can search with a microscope. You can search in English or Spanish, but the same is true. You can search in Greek or Aramaic or Hebrew, but the same is true. God created Adam and then Eve as his helper, and not Adam and Steve. It was Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Amen. And this is the biblical truth, and there is no one, no one, that can change or alter this. It is written in stone. Amen. It is written in the human bones, in the human DNA, in the human flesh, and in the human soul. 
in creation itself, it is written. This is God's design, and no one can change that. Amen. Look at verse 21. And the Theos brought a deep sleep upon Adam, and he slept, and he took from his perla, or however you pronounce that, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. Now, perla, basically a Greek word for side, speaking of the side where the heart is. Where the heart is. And then we'll continue through the end of that chapter, verse 22. And the Lord of Theos built a woman from the side, from the pillar, and he had taken from Adam and brought her to Adam. Adam said, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. It's not woman, it's woman. Part of man, out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his dad and his mom and shall cleave to his woman, and the two shall be one flesh. Amen. It's very clear that a man should leave his parents and form his own family, have sex with his wife, bear children, be one family unit, one mind, one household. I don't see any room here for any other gender or any other type of sexuality either in that. It's very clear, easy to understand. It is simple. The truth is simple. Amen. Amen. The truth is not confusing. The truth is simple and logical and easy to understand once you throw out all the brainwashing, all the political correctness, and all the religious fanaticism all the craziness and confusion of Babylon. The word Babylon itself means confusion. And the liberal churches and the Democrat Party have confused many people. Amen. And TV and music and books and colleges, universities and schools a corrupt and wicked society that has outlawed praying to God, that has outlawed Christian groups and the Bible, that has outlawed crosses, and has outlawed evangelism in different cities, in different communities, They've even outlawed in certain areas home Bible studies. And they're trying to outlaw homeschooling. The corrupt and rigid society is trying to ban 
God from the family, from business, from government, from government, from society, and even from your own home, and even from your children. The corrupt and wicked society under the influence of Satan and his demons and his human co-workers. And the plan, demonic plan, the demonic goal is to remove manhood, masculinity, and even call masculinity toxic, poisonous. The demonic plan is to destroy the family so that you don't have a leader in the family. And if you do have a leader, that it would be the woman. The demonic plan is to destroy mankind. To tear down and corrupt society. And the same goal is of communism and Islam. They share all the same goal. It is not to serve God or to better mankind. The goal of Islam is that the devil is deceiving people, blinding people, destroying people, destroying women and children and society and the human race. Communism is the same thing. The three sixes. Six, six, six. The first six being Nazism, the hatred of Israel, and the hatred of Jews, the Jewish people, and the hatred of all the Israeli tribes. That is the first six. It goes all the way back to Isaac versus Ishmael and Jacob versus Esau. That's the first six. It's the war of the races. The second six is Islam. And the third six is communism. And they are all one and the same. All one and the same. And they share the same goal. And they use the Democrat Party, the leftists, the liberals, including the liberal churches. They use homosexuality as a tool of destruction. Amen. Now let's go back to the Bible here. Let's go over to chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Genesis 4, verse 1. And Adam was intimate. That means had sex with Eve, his woman, and she conceived and brought forth Cain. That's very clear who the father of Cain is. Adam. Not the devil. And yet, there are tons and tons and tons of people on YouTube and other social media and even churches that are saying that Satan had sex with Eve and Cain 
was the offspring, the child of Satan. That's stupid because the Bible says opposite. The Bible says right here that Adam and Eve brought forth Cain. It's very clear. It's very simple. It's very easy. You can't twist it. You can't confuse it. It's very, very, very clear. Adam and Eve had sex. They brought forth a child. His name was Cain. It's easy. It's simple. Amen. There's nothing wrong or taboo or naughty or dirty about saying that a man has sex with a woman. This is God's design. And every person on earth has the tools and equipment that God gave them to do the same thing. And God commanded them to do so. Amen. He said, Go and multiply. How are you going to multiply? It's logical. God commanded it. It's not dirty. It's not naughty. It's not nasty. As long as it stays within that frame of man and woman. Amen. And how are you going to have birth and multiply the earth without man and woman? together. That's how it's done. And for these mad scientists today to do it any other way is demonic. To try to form humans from a lab from a scientific lab to try to grow brains or any kind of DNA or brain cells or human cells using aborted baby parts and human aborted baby DNA and, and brain cells and, and stem, stem cells and, and stuff like that to play with the human DNA to play with such things and try to for mankind to make himself out to be a creator of humans and in any other way other than sex is playing God and is demonic. And they will face the consequences very, very, very soon. Very soon. As the great tribulation is now at the door, they will pay for what they have done. Now let's jump down to verse 16. Chapter 4, verse 16. So Cain went forth from the presence of Theos and dwelt in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Verse 17. Cain was intimate with his woman, and having conceived, she bore Pharaoh, she had birth to Enoch, and he built a city, and he named the city after the name of his son, Enoch. Now, Cain went had sex with his woman. People always ask, who was this woman? Where did she come from? Well, we have to use logic. And logic is Adam and Eve had many children, and they had children, and they had children. 
And at first, the boys and the girls, brothers and sisters, that's the way it had to be at the beginning because there was no other way. There was no other possibility for them to multiply upon the earth, brothers and sisters. Very clearly, this must have been his sister or cousin or niece from all this multiplying. And that's the way it was at the beginning. There was no other way. It was out of necessity at that time. No longer, it's no longer a necessity for such things to occur. Let's go over to Leviticus 18. But again, as we turn to Leviticus 18, Cain was with a woman, not with a guy. So as we go down through the ancestry of humankind, it was always man and woman in every situation, without any exceptions. This is how it was for 6,000 years. That's God's design. And there is no political party or homosexual agenda that can change that. Leviticus 18, verse 22. Leviticus 18, verse 22. And you shall not lie, have sex with, with a man as a woman, for it is an abomination. 23. Neither shall you lie with any animal for sex to be polluted with it. Neither shall a woman present herself before any animal to have sex with it, for it is abomination. And so forth. The Bible is very, very specific. It lists hundreds of laws and commands and do's and don'ts. Over 600, I would say, well more than that, even though they say there's over 600, I would say there's over 1,000, actually. It's very specific. A man should not have sex with another man as with a woman. This is an abomination. That's very clear. That's very simple. That's very easy to understand. You can't confuse that or twist that. Amen. And it is right next to the next law that you should not have sex with the animal. So it's very interesting that the law against homosexual activity is right next to such a gross and nasty thing as sex with animals. In God's eyes, it is equal abomination. It's not natural. It's not natural to have sex with animals. It's not natural for a man to have sex with a man. It's not natural for a woman to have sex directly with a woman. 
It's not natural. It doesn't follow God's design, God's pattern. And it is impossible to have children in such a way. So all these things are very clear. But let's take it one step further, something related to this. In the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 22. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. Deuteronomy 22, verse 5, page 213. The apparel, the clothing of a man, shall not be on a woman, neither shall a man put on a woman's dress. For everyone that does these things is an abomination to Jesus, your fear. That's easy to understand. Amen. It's equal to having sex with animals. It's equal to having homosexual sex. Just wearing the clothing of the other sex is an abomination because it's confusing. It breaks God's design. It's not God's design. It's not natural. Amen. Men must not wear women's clothes. Women must not wear men's clothes. Cross-dressing is an abomination to God. But let's get this clear because a lot of people are confused about women's pants. A lot of churches say that women should not wear pants at all because that's men's clothing. But actually, if the pants are made for women are designed for women, it is not men's pants. It is not men's clothing. Women's pants are women's pants. But people say, but men used to be the only one to wear pants. Therefore, all pants are really men's clothing. They just design it different, but still men's clothing. That's a lot of reasoning of a lot of legalistic religious people. But I would have to respond that for thousands of years, people didn't have any pants. They had robes. And both men and women both wore robes. Both of them wore robes. But the robes were designed different. The women would wear them different. They would wrap themselves different with it. They would have different decor on the uh, different patterns, different colors, different designs. There was a difference between a woman's robe and a man's robe. A lot of the men of course, would wear the robe halfway 
across his chest, exposing the other half of the chest. But the women would completely cover both breasts whenever they did wear a robe, although throughout human civilization, both genders were naked, totally naked, the majority of the time. And there's nothing wrong with that. God made Adam and Eve both naked, and they were both in the garden without sin and without shame and without embarrassment and without abomination. In the Garden of Eden in paradise, without sin, both of them naked. There's nothing wrong with a woman being naked, nothing wrong with a man being naked. But when clothing was being wore, when they did wear clothes, there was a distinction about how they would wear it because as shame came upon the earth through sin, through, through the men and women thinking for themselves about what's right and what's wrong rather than accepting the God's commandments about what's right and what's wrong, as shame came upon into the world and spread throughout the world, then men didn't have as much shame. Women had more shame. And that remains true to this day. A man is not as ashamed of his body as what a woman is. Because a woman, of course, he is a sexual object. A woman is a sexual object. People don't like to hear that, especially women. But if you read the Bible all throughout the Bible, she was a sexual object, bought and sewed by her husband, by her father, by society. But she's more than sex, of course. She is assistant, cooks and cleans, and is a companion in love and friendship. She can be. And a man needs friendship and companionship with a woman, the soft touch and the love and the caress of a gentle woman, the weaker vessel, as the Bible calls her. And all the things I'm saying is biblical, but people don't like it because it doesn't fit modern, western, corrupted, twisted, Brainwashed culture. Amen. But women's pants, if they are designed for women, is women's clothing. But women should try to find the pants that are look more feminine. It is better for the women's pants to be different colors like pink pants, yellow pants, purple pants, and other types of colors. It's okay for blue and, and denim and stuff like that, but it is better for it to be a different color than blue 
or had a different material than them, and then not look not look exactly like a man's pants, but there's other design features that are different as well. And of course, dresses should be preferred by women. Dresses are preferred because they are more effeminate by our culture. And there are certain things about culture that is corrupted, and there's some things about culture that is acceptable and is really not a corruption, but rather generational culture that's been true for thousands of years. So there's certain things about culture that is acceptable. And dresses are definitely more effeminate and should be preferred. But of course, when there's cold weather, it would definitely be acceptable for a woman to wear women's pants in cold weather. God doesn't really expect a woman to have to wear a dress where the cold air can get up under her and freeze her legs and give her frostbite and everything. A woman, uh, a woman doesn't have to be tortured by death by cold weather in order, to, in order to fit our mind frame of what we think is right. It's okay for a woman to be comfortable and survive. Amen. It's okay for a woman to wear pants while she's exercising in public. If a woman was to go to a gym or gymnasium, she definitely should be wearing something to help cover herself unless she is at an appropriate place for nudity. There are appropriate places for nudity. Of course, if it is an appropriate place for nudity, that is a different situation. But when she is wearing clothes, women also should not wear a man's t-shirt or a man's shirt. A woman should not wear a man's t-shirt advertising an auto repair shop. A woman should not be wearing a baseball cap or playing basketball or baseball or football or joining the military. A woman should not be a fireman. A woman should not be a policeman. A woman should not be a soldier. These are men's jobs, men's roles, by God's design. If you don't like it, take it up with God. God is the one that designed it this way. A police officer should be a man, a macho man, not a weakling, not a wimp, not a scrawny, skinny guy, and not a fat slob. A police officer, and the same thing is true of a soldier, should be a alpha male, a macho man. He should be strong, bold and brave, and muscular, and strong and very fit. Because when you are a police officer or a fireman or a soldier, other people's lives depend on your strength. About you being able to 
lift heavy objects off from an injured person and being able to win a fight against a criminal. Such people must be men. Football players. That's a man's sport. Amen. Baseball? Why is that a man's sport? Because it is. Amen. Because all of my life, I didn't care much for sports at all. But when I was over at other people's houses and I was watching baseball, there were the baseball players adjusting their crotch, adjusting their ball straps and spitting on the ground and slapping each other on the ass. That, not that it's a homosexual thing to do that. It's just, just one of those weird things that baseball players do. But it was a very macho activity. Amen. For females to get out there and do the same thing that was always done by the guys, was always done by the guys, and get out there and say, oh, we're, we're equals. If you guys can do it, we can do it. Oh, that slogan, that phrase is a very popular phrase of women today. If a guy can do it, we can do it. We don't need a man. Very, very popular phrase. The truth is, yes, every woman needs a man. Amen. Yeah, sure, you can survive without a man. You can get by. You can slide by. But your life is not going to be in the perfect center of God's will without a man. Now, sometimes that man needs to be an uncle or brother or son or a grandson. But there needs to be a man to help with finances and strength and logic and spiritual guidance. Sometimes that man may be a pastor. But Eve was made for Adam, not for herself. Eve was not made for herself. For her to just get by by herself. And I'll tell you what, those children suffer greatly when a woman thinks that she can get by and still raise those children, especially the little boys, are going to suffer all the days of their life. Most divorces is the result of a woman 
not allowing the husband to be a man. And not allowing the husband to be the leader and the final decision maker. This is the truth. You may not like it, but this is the truth. Of course, I know that there are some marriages that end because the guy is an idiot. I understand that. I know that. I know that's reality. I know there are situations where the man is truly over-abusive, and the woman should leave in those cases. Or that the man is demonic. He's lost, unsaved, and will not repent, and will not turn to the Lord, no matter what. Of course, in those situations, the woman is free to leave that man so that she may serve the Lord. But the majority of divorce cases worldwide is because the woman refuses to do her role of honor, respect, and obey. The majority of divorce is because the woman refuses to allow the man the final decision and refuses to allow the man the amount of sex that he wants and needs. This is the truth, whether you like it or not. And many homosexual activity, episodes of homosexual activity, many of the guys that go out to have sex with another guy in a public bathroom is because their women are not performing their duties in sex at home. I know this to be true. It is a fact. It's not my opinion. It is a fact. So if we're standing here today talking about marriage and biblical sexuality, it is more than just saying there's a man and a woman and that homosexual activity is a sin. It's more than that. We must include the cost for divorce, the cost of homosexual activity. Why is the man going out there with other men? And there's a lot of reasons. It's not just that the women don't want to have sex, but that is one of the reasons. But there's a lot of reasons for homosexuality. But before we get into those reasons, let's go over to the New Testament now. Let's go to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans, chapter 1.
Romans chapter 1, verse 18, page 163, if you have the paperback copies of the Alpha and Omega Bible, the AOB, AOB, Alpha, Omega Bible, page 163. You can download the Alpha and Omega Bible for free on your phone or computer, PDF copy of it for free. Romans 1, verse 18, we're going to try to read from there down through the end of the chapter. Verse 18, for the wrath of Theos, the wrath of God, is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about Theos is evident within them, but Theos made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible aptitudes, characteristics, or properties, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Amen. Praise God. So atheists really have no excuse because all you got to do is examine the beauty and the mystery of a butterfly or of a childbirth. Amen. Or even the design of sex or even the design of the human brain and even, even how fruits and vegetables are good for us for the violence, even how certain foods have the same shape or design as the part of the body that they are good for, and even how in nature a poisonous plant will grow right next to the antidote, the plant that will heal you from that poisonous plant. And how the plants are medicine for us. The herbs and the plants are medicine for our body. And even how the fruits and vegetables and even chicken and pork and beef and other meats of animals are good for us to eat and provides the protein that we need for our bodies. Even how milk provides us calcium for our bones and teeth. None of this can be by accident or coincidence or just from an explosion in outer space. All of this is very clearly and easily discerned as being designed on purpose. Atheists have no excuse. But also, people that try to claim that homosexuality is acceptable and not a sin. They have no excuse because God's design how the entire earth is full and overflowing with mommies and daddies. That is the family unit. That is the way it works. That is by design and that is nature in humanity. They try to look at animals, how animals screw each other left and right. 
That's a ridiculous comparison because we're not monkeys, we're not dogs, we're not cats, we're not fish. We're humans. We are not animals. If you read the Bible, the animals were made after their own kind. Amen. Cats and lions and leopards were made after their own kind, after the uh, feline species that existed in the dinosaur era. Dogs and wolves and coyotes were created after the canine species that existed in the dinosaur era. And the fish and the turtle and the lizard were created after their species that existed in the dinosaur era. They were created after their own kind. But humans were created in the character and the spirit of God. They were not made after animals. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible is the source of wisdom. The Bible is the source of law. The Bible is the historical record of creation and God's design. The Bible is what we go by over and above anything any human would imagine and try to invent a new so-called truth. The Bible is our standard. The Bible is our constitution of the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Verse 21, for even though they knew Theos, they did not honor him as Theos or give him thanks, for they became futile in their, or vain in their speculation, their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. Amen. This is talking about scientists and liberals. Amen. Amen. That they think they're so smart. They think they're so righteous. They think they're so good. They think that Christians are wicked and foolish. But the truth is, they're the fools. They're the fools. Verse 23, And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible Theos for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. This means that they worshipped the creation rather than the creator. So the Egyptians and the Assyrians, the Babylonians and the Greeks, and even people today worship birds and animals when they display little statues of birds and turtles and wolves in their home or in their yard. And they don't know that they are worshiping these things. I know that they don't have any evil intent, but nevertheless, 
the reality is that in their heart, in their mind, in their subconscious, they have lifted up the turtle or the unicorn or the horse or the cow or whatever animal or the wolf that they have decided to idolize. And it is idolatry of the mind, of the heart. They have lifted these things up in their heart, in their mind, in their subconscious to where they're magnifying and lifting these things up to make them into graven images, which the Bible forbids to be done in a form and a fashion, a purpose of idolization. But people do it every day. And of course, they will deny it. So the day they die, they will deny that it is worship or idolization that these are idols, but they are, period. Amen. But they don't worship only animals. And remember, animals was the very next verse. Praise the Lord for this understanding that I have never had until this very moment right here. This is the Spirit of the Lord. This is the breath and the word of God right here. And you are witnessing a miracle and revelation and the Lord speaking right now. You are experiencing the presence of God right now. And God confirming his own word. The animals and the sex with animals being forbidden was the very next verse there in Leviticus. And right here in Romans 1, the connection with animals and homosexuality again. Amen. They don't worship just animals and idolize just animals and having sex with just animals, but also with each other in a homosexual lust. Verse 24, therefore Theos gave them over to the last of their hearts to impurity so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of Theos for a lie and worship and serve the creation rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, Theos gave them over to degrading passions, for their women exchanged the natural function, natural function for that which is unnatural. Verse 27. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire toward one another, men, men with men committing uh, indecent acts, indecent acts, and receiving in themselves the due penalty of their error. Amen. Homosexuality connected with the, the theme of the worship of animals. I know for a fact that homosexuals literally, literally worship the male penis. Literally. This is a fact. And they literally worship the entire human body of a man, if he is a man. Homosexuality is the worship of another man. 
Homosexuality breaks the first commandment, thou shalt have no other God but him. Homosexuality is the worship of the flesh. This is the truth, regardless of anybody's opinion. I did, personally, I did live a homosexual lifestyle for decades. From childhood. And through decades from that time, I lived as a homosexual. So I know what I am speaking about. I know what I am talking about. I'm not talking about things I have read out of other books or watching YouTube videos. I know from personal experience what homosexuals do and how they think. So I speak the truth. Amen. I don't think that a pastor should preach about things he doesn't know anything about. Amen. I think a pastor should speak from personal experience so that he knows what he's talking about. If he doesn't really know what he's talking about, then he should leave that lesson and that teaching and that sermon to someone else. And verse 28, And just as they did not see it fit to acknowledge Theos any longer, Theos gave them over to a disqualified, unpure mind to do those things which were not proper. This means, and I know this from personal experience, that homosexuals, homosexuals and atheists and witches and other people, and all of that is involved in the theme of this chapter, that those people, even though they was raised by Christian parents, went to church, knew about the Bible, read the Bible, and knew the Bible well. This is a fact. They, because of their sins, and they struggled, and they, they may have tried to overcome the sin at first, but they wasn't able to, or they was not successful at it, and they eventually gave up trying to resist the sin. And therefore, they eventually threw God away. And that's what I did. When I was 17 or 18 years old, I remember standing outside and talking to God and saying that for a time, I'm going to leave you. I will be back. I promise that one of these days I will come back to you, God. But right now I'm going to leave you because I have struggled. I, I can't overcome this. I, I feel suicidal. I'm, just, I'm going through all this distress. I'm tearing myself to pieces, being a hypocrite, 
and not being able to go the right way, so I have to go the wrong way. I have to experience everything that I'm feeling in my flesh, in my body. I've got to do this. This is what I choose because I can't defeat it. I thought I couldn't defeat it. I had tried to defeat it for years. I struggled to try to defeat it. I tried to pray it away. I tried to ask for deliverance. I cried for deliverance. I struggled, and I wanted deliverance, but I couldn't find it. Even as the Bible says that Judas, after he portrayed Jesus, cried and, and sought for repentance, but could not find it. And I have personally seen literally hundreds and also thousands of homosexuals that was in the same boat, the same situation, to where they knew the Bible. And they were preachers, and they were preachers' sons, and they went to church, and they believed in God, and they were Christians, and they, and they shouted and, and, and cried and cried and cried and asked God to deliver them, and he did not deliver them. And they could not overcome the homosexuality. But you know why I could not overcome and they could not overcome? It's because they did not have a strong, masculine, alpha male leader. Or a pastor that knew what he was talking about. Or even any true Christian to give them a hand of love and gentleness and love and compassion to say, this is how you overcome. This is what you need to do. You need to fast. Not just pray and cry. You need to fast. And you need to be around other strong, masculine, alpha males to teach you how to be a man. Because the reason that you became homosexual. It's not by birth and not by DNA or human genes, but rather the corruption was because of wicked men and wicked women in your life. That we didn't have the strong masculine daddy. We didn't have the man teaching us how to change the oil. We didn't have the man teaching us how to use a chainsaw or how to chop wood. We didn't have the masculine man, the daddy, that we needed because the woman pushed him away. Because the woman wouldn't allow dad the sex that he needed. Because the, the woman wanted to be in control and the woman wanted the last word and the final decision. I know what I am talking about. Amen. Homosexuality is the result of over-domineering, controlling women and wimpy-ass men and the absence of a good, strong father. And the deliverance comes more than just asking and praying and crying for deliverance, but comes through action. 
You can pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, but until you actually do something yourself, you're not going to have the deliverance most of the time. It's time people get off their knees and actually start doing something. If you want a job, don't just pray and cry for it. Go and put an application in. Amen. I believe in prayer. I believe in crying out to the Lord. But you also got to put action and put feet and action to your words, to what you want, and seek it and, and go out and grab it and seize onto it. The Bible says that ever since John the Baptist, that after that, that men seize onto the kingdom by violence. We must seize it what we want. We must conquer the earth and dominate the earth and subdue the earth. That's what we need to do. A man's nature, by God's design, is to conquer other nations. One of the reasons for homosexuality is that they no longer require military service in the United States of America. Before I was... a uh, a teenager, before I became a teenager, the law previously in America, as it is still today in most nations, was that every man must join the military, must, must be in the military for one year at least. One year. Every man in the nation at least one year in the military. That was the law until the 60s, I think, or 50s or 60s until they changed it. And that was the, one of the worst things they ever did. One of the reasons for homosexuality is that men are no longer required to join the military for a year. Back in the 50s and 60s, 70s and 80s, a boy could join the military and come out as an alpha male. He could come out, he could, he could go in as a girl and come out a guy, basically, mentally and spiritually. Military used to be tough. But shape a man into what he needs to be. It's no longer that way. It's run by homosexuals. They come in, they go in the military as a girl and come out a girl. Basically mentally and spiritually. And I tell you, we need World War III. We need it. We need it like everything. We need it more than what we need water and food today. We need war. We need World War III. We need it. We should stop trying to pray it away and accept the plan of God. We need World War III like everything. Because the men and the women of our generation need a good whooping. We deserve everything that we're going to get for corrupting society, for denying God, for leaving God, for choosing other things, for allowing Islam, for allowing the Democrats to take control, for not destroying the wicked places, for not tearing down the altars of the wicked, for allowing the witches and the Muslims and the homosexuals to take over our own neighborhood, every one of us deserve what we're going to get. 
And finally, once we face a war like we did in Vietnam and Korea, and World War One and World War Two, those glorious moments of humanity, glorious, I tell you, glorious. Once we face such a time of war again, boys will become men. Amen. And girls will become true women. Women will no longer be in control of the house. There will be a man there. It might be a Chinese or a Russian or an Iranian, but I guarantee you that over and behind and on top of every female, there will be a man. Whether you like it or not. God's grand plan and his design will be fulfilled. Amen. Amen. As Mr. Mr. Cox, a great man of honor, a veteran, a assassin of a war years ago, now sleeping in his grave. But as Mr. Cox once said many times, it is going to be God's way or the highway. Amen? It's going to be God's way or the highway. God is good. Amen. Praise God. Let's go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians 6. Verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. We're going to read verse 9, 10, and 11. Page 180. 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of theos? It doesn't say heaven. It says the kingdom of theos. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, or salt, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor alcoholics, nor revelers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of Theos. Verse 11. Such were some of you, such were I, but you were washed. I was washed. But you were sanctified. I was sanctified. But you were acquitted. I was acquitted. In the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the spirit of our Theos. Amen. Praise God. It is possible to overcome. It is possible to be delivered. It is possible to be saved from wickedness and mental illness and dysfunction and emotional distress and emotional and mental confusion. 
Dr. Michael Savage, famous conservative radio host. He wrote a book and authored that phrase that says, liberalism is a mental disorder. And he's very right in that. I know what I speak of. Liberalism is a mental disorder. And homosexuality is a mental confusion, a mental dysfunction, and an emotional dysfunction. Absolutely, yes, this is a fact. A mental dysfunction and a sexual dysfunction, a mental confusion, a mental illness. Homosexuality was officially listed as a, as a mental illness by the American Academy and Association of America and all across the world at one time, up until, what, maybe 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, or 2000-something, maybe 2019, I don't know, whatever year it was, in the last 50 years or less, that they finally took it off the list. But until then, it was listed officially, and medically, homosexuality was officially and medically listed as a mental illness because they knew that it was. They knew it was. In fact, I remember back when I was a teenager that you could get arrested for homosexual activity. And there were men in prison homosexual sex that stayed in prison years and years and years and years and years because they had sex with a woman. That used to be against the law. Even in my lifetime it was. And the same is true all across the world. It used to be illegal and should still be illegal. Even though it's a mental illness, it should still be illegal because in the law book, the Bible, our law book, it is against the law. And when you have strong, strict laws based on the Bible and not on religion, but based on the Bible, then you will have a better society in that. And if a person was to sin and commit such abominations, they would not be proud of it, but hide it as we did back in those years. We would hide it. We wouldn't flaunt it. We wasn't proud of it. We was ashamed of it. We was embarrassed by it. But when you make it legal, and you take it off the books as being a mental illness, and you make it legal, and you start putting it on commercials and TV, then you corrupt the minds of the youth. And you corrupt the minds of society. And you change the culture away from God's design. Then you end up with a wicked generation. A very wicked generation. And a weak military that could not win a war if they wanted to. 
and a military that no longer turns boys into men. In a very sad state of society. Very sad. But there is a hope of deliverance. But boys need mentors. And we need real pastors that will speak boldly, that doesn't look or act like Joel Olstein. Amen. We need real pastors and real leaders in church, family, and society, and business. In every avenue of society, we need strong alpha males leading society. We don't need a woman president or a woman female president. We don't need a woman manager. We don't need a woman dictator. We don't need a woman nagger. We don't need a woman in a leading of a church. We don't need a woman pastor. We don't need a woman apostle. We don't need a woman prophet. Now, a prophetess is a different thing. That's biblical. And a deaconess is a different thing. That's biblical. But a prophetess and a deaconess, they both submit to the pastor. That's biblical. We don't need a woman pastor. We don't need a woman manager anywhere. Amen. We don't need a woman soldier. We don't need women in the military, women police officers, because that weakens society and allows criminals to get away with crime. It corrupts society. It corrupts the gender role. It corrects, it corrupts young minds. It corrupts millions of minds. In all biblical examples, we never see any man of God knowingly, on purpose, having sex with another man ever in the Bible, not even once. Now let me clarify some things and explain some things. I'm not saying that a man can't love another man. I'm not saying a man can't love another man. A man should love his dad. And a dad should love his son. And brothers should love brothers. And buddies should love their buddies. That's okay. I'm not saying women can't love women. Women can love their mothers and their daughters and their nieces and their girlfriends. This is natural for us to need companionship, friendship, Intimate relationships, but these relationships don't need to be sexual just because you love someone. Needing to have sex in order to find love is an emotional dysfunction. Needing to have sex in order to find love is an emotional dysfunction. Many homosexuals and you know I speak from what I know. 
many homosexuals are seeking the next male sexual partner because they're seeking the love from a man because they did not feel the love from their daddy. They did not feel the love from their dad. And therefore, they're seeking love from a man. It is emotional, mental dysfunction and confusion. It's okay to love another man very deeply and dearly, but you don't have to have sex with a person in order to find that love. You don't. don't need it. John loves Jesus very much, very much. John loves Jesus very much, even so much that such a close buddy relationship, brotherhood, that John laid his head on Jesus' chest. And there's nothing wrong with that, and that's not gay, and that's not homosexual. Back in the old-fashioned days, I've seen many pictures of where men could be brothers, buddies, best best buddies, and not only just hug, but even sit together in the same chair, even lay on each other's chest and hold each other out of human love, brotherhood, many many pictures like that of where back when, before homosexuality was embraced and accepted publicly, that men had enough confidence in their heterosexuality. They had enough confidence in how masculine they were. They had enough confidence in their natural sexuality. They didn't have to fear that someone might look upon them and think they're gay. They were confident and bold and courageous enough in their natural masculinity that they could love a man and not be a sin and actually hug him and caress him and lay and caress him in his time of need, of sorrow and distress, and be a human and be a brother as brothers do this without sex. You don't have to have sex to show compassion and love. To think that you have to have sex to find love is a mental dysfunction. Boys need strong, masculine, older men in their lives to mentor them and to show them the natural, the physical, the spiritual, mental, and emotional, and cultural differences between males and females. Boys need older men, alpha men, masculine men, to show these younger boys the physical differences between male and female, the spiritual differences between male and female, the mental and emotional and cultural differences between male and female. 
they have to have a strong masculine but loving and caring male role model. Without this, they will suffer in one way or another. They might not come out homosexual, but many times they do come out homosexual. But even if they don't come out homosexual, if they did not have this male role model, they're going to suffer one way or another. One way or another. Single mothers, you need to come under a male leadership. It might be an uncle, a brother, a grandfather, a son, a grandson, or a pastor, or a nephew, or somebody else. But you need to come under a male leadership, especially if you have a son in the house. That son needs a man. I know what I speak of. And I don't speak just from what I experienced in my own family, but also I also speak of what I saw and experienced in literally thousands of homosexuals that I have talked with. Thousands of homosexuals I have talked with. Thousands. I know what I am talking about. It is the job of every dad to pay attention to their sons and to teach their sons male things, such as working on cars, house repair, taking out the trash, driving a car, driving a truck. This is a male thing. Mowing the yard and dating girls. Every dad should teach their sons these things. It is the job of every mom to pay attention to their daughters and to teach the girls female things, such as sewing, knitting, house cleaning, cooking, and obeying and submitting themselves to men. Mothers need to teach their daughters that the marriage vow is honor and obey the husband. But don't you honor and obey and marry a man that is not God him. Don't you dare do that. Don't you dare be unequally yoked with a lost sinner. Marry only a man of God. But once you marry that man of God, honor and obey. This is God's design. Don't you be domineering. Don't you tell him what to do and what he can't do and what he can say and what he can't say. He's the man, you're the female. The mother needs to teach the daughter this because this is the truth and this is God's design. Teach the girl to be a girl, not a man. Don't you dare teach your daughter that she can do without a man. That she don't need a man and that she doesn't have to obey because she's equal. She's not equal. The woman was made for the man, not for each other. She was made for him. 
many times homosexual people point to examples of some specific ex-homosexual person having a relapse and getting caught having gay sex. So the leftists, the liberals, and the people that want to believe and, and teach and claim that a person cannot overcome homosexuality, cannot be converted, it can't happen, it's impossible. Once you're gay, you're always gay. You're always going to have gay sex. You can't. You don't need to seek out a pastor. You don't need to seek out deliverance, because they point to an example where a man made a mistake and had a relapse and got caught having gay sex. They point to those examples, but the fact is that everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. The reality is that there are demons and human co-workers of evil that actively work at corrupting people and tempting people on a daily basis. The reality is in a corrupt and wicked society, sin is everywhere as you turn. And temptation and it's difficult to not have a relapse. Having a relapse is actually the human nature. It is human nature to have a relapse. It's a mistake. A mistake. And it's going to occur whether you are an alcoholic or a drug addict or a homosexual trying to overcome these things. You're going to have a relapse. You're going to make a mistake. You're going to do it again. You are. You are. It's what happens in reality. But that does not prove that the person cannot overcome their drug addiction. It does not prove that they cannot overcome the alcoholism. It does not prove that they cannot overcome the homosexuality. It just takes time and more effort and more action to prevent the sin. It's not praying it away. It is working at overcoming the temptation. It is working at overcoming the cultural corruption, society corruption. It is, it is becoming active at fighting back, not just working on the offensive defensive, but working on the offensive. You've got to work offensively. Christians have been told that they should do nothing but just defend themselves through prayer, anointing themselves, pleading the blood of Christ. You should do all these things. Absolutely. Being defensive is an absolute must. But Christians have not been taught by their wimpy pastors that they should also be offensive. Aha, aha, they should be offensive. They should go on the offense. They ought to be offending the wicked. They ought to be fighting back, not just defending when the temptation comes, but they should actively be working at tearing down the altars of the wicked. They should be actively out there in front of the abortion clinic. They should be actively not just signing petitions on 
MeWe, and Facebook and Twitter, but rather getting out of the four walls of their house and getting that out there on the streets and getting dirty and, and getting offensive and getting right up in the face of the co-workers of the devil. We need to go on the offensive. And when you work on the offensive, then you will see victory in your life. For example, a person that's trying to overcome drug addiction or alcoholism, if that person goes on the offensive and actually goes and actually starts distributing flyers against alcoholism, against drug abuse, and doing something on the offensive to help other people overcome it, they, in effect, thereby doing that, also help themselves and empower their passion against the sin. They empower themselves to overcome by fighting against it, not just sitting at home waiting for the temptation to come, but working on the offensive side. That gives them power over the addiction. And homosexuality is absolutely a sexual addiction. And people are not being told that they, that, that, that they need to forsake their so-called friends. They need to forsake the people that are keeping them in bondage to the sin. When a person wants to be delivered from a homosexual activity, they must absolutely forsake all of their homosexual friends, every one of them. They must forsake their homosexual friends. They must leave and move out and change their address and change their phone number and change their email and refuse to speak or have anything to do with the people that are trying to hold them down in the bondage of sin. They must break free. They must literally fight, not just pray and cry. They need to fight their way out of the prison of sin. They must flee from sin. They must run from sin, not stand in the same house and continue to be roommates, roommates with the homosexuals. If you're a drug addict, you'll never overcome the drug addiction if you continue to live with a drug addict. Amen? And a homosexual will not overcome the homosexuality if he continues to hang out with homosexuals or live with homosexuals. I needed a pastor or a Christian that was offensive enough to tell me that I needed to forsake the sinners. That I needed to do more than pray and cry. I needed to go on the offensive and fight back. That I needed to stand up for myself. Amen. But when you have wimpy Christians, you will not see deliverance. 
when you have wimpy Christian friends and wimpy Christian pastors, you won't see or experience deliverance. If you want deliverance, find yourself a pastor that knows how to shout. If you want deliverance, find yourself a pastor that is a real man. Find yourself a pastor that is offensive and fights back. If you want to see miracles and deliverance and healings and manifestations and revelations of the Lord Jesus Christ, then find yourself an alpha male pastor an alpha ministry, an alpha church, an alpha congregation, an alpha male body. Amen. And there is a bad fruit of homosexuality, many bad fruits of homosexuality. The fact is that among homosexuals, there are many other perversions that are extremely common among homosexuals. I know what I speak of. In fact, there are more perversions by percentage per capita of bestiality, drug abuse, alcoholism, and suicide. And other sins and other perversions are extremely common, common among a very large percentage of homosexual people who are active in the homosexual lifestyle. When you look at the percentage of heterosexuals, how many of them have the perversion of bestiality or the perversion of incest or the perversion or the corruption or the sin or the addiction of drug abuse or alcoholism and other perversions and other mental illnesses and so forth and so forth, the percentage among heterosexual straight people is a smaller percentage than what you see among homosexuals. When you see a homosexual, you're not just seeing a homosexual. You're seeing a pervert. I know what I speak of. Among homosexuals, you have a large percentage of other perversions that come along with it. When you give the devil an inch, the devil will take 10,000 miles. When you give the devil an inch, the devil will take 10,000 miles. He won't stop. If you let the devil in just a little bit, the devil will take full advantage of the situation. That fact alone. The alcoholism, drug abuse, and suicide, and bestiality, and other sins, and other corruptions is so common among homosexuals. That fact alone proves it's not natural, nor lawful, nor natural. It proves that it is a perversion. Also, homosexual activity is a requirement, requirement by many Satanists, and witches and demonic secret societies. Demonic secret societies. Witches that are in the upper ranks. Freemasons that are in the upper ranks. Satanists that are in the upper ranks. Hollywood and government. 
homosexual activity is requirement uh, initiation into other demonic activity and that alone also proves that it is a sin and a corruption and a demonic thing people claim that jesus never spoke against homosexuality but the truth is that jesus is the same god of the old testament you don't have one god of the old testament and a different god of the new testament that's not how it works the god of the old testament and the god of the new testament are the one and the same being so when you see in leviticus the law against homosexuality and against cross-dressing that was Jesus saying that that was Jesus commanding that you don't have two gods you don't have three gods or four thousand gods there's only one God so yes Jesus did speak against homosexuality it is written and another point that I need to make is that transgender sexual reassignment surgery transgender sexual reassignment surgery never fixes mental and emotional problems you cannot fix a mental or emotional problem by cutting something off or by sewing something on that doesn't fix the emotional and mental problem in fact it is documented and proven that a large majority of people that have the sexual transgender sexual reassignment surgeries regret it afterwards a large percentage actually regret having the surgery after it is done a large percentage you don't hear that in the mainstream media because it doesn't fit their agenda they regret having the surgery it did not fix their problems the people report a large percentage of people that have the surgery report later on that they are sorry they did it and that their emotional distress has not improved at all the emotional distress and their confusion has not improved at all by having the surgery of course you're going to have some people standing up in the news on tv that had the surgery that's going to put on a smile they're going to put on a fake mask of a smile and claim that they're happy but i promise you and i guarantee you and i know what i'm talking about once the tv camera is turned off and they get back in their car and they go back to their home they're going to cry out in guilt sorrow disappointment confusion and ever other emotional distress
Surgery cannot fix the heart and the soul and the mind and spirit and the soul. What you need for that is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he does offer the deliverance if you also got to do your part. He's not a genie where you can just make a wish. Miracles do happen. But God is good enough to us and he is wise enough that he wants us and requires us to do our part. To not just wish it become true and he just snaps a finger because that would make it too easy and we wouldn't learn nothing from the experience and we would not be any better than what we were before. He's wise enough to make us work for the deliverance so that we would actually build character and fix our problems and not repeat the same mistakes. That's a wise daddy that will be exercising tough love. Not just giving you everything on a silver platter, but making you work for a living and make you pay for your first car out of your own money. Make you get a job and make you work for it. Make you learn the value of money, the value of life, and the value of work. Make your hands get dirty and become an alpha male. If God just waved his magic wand like a fairy and just snapped his finger and said, okay, you're straight. You're no longer tempted. The man would still be a wimp because he wouldn't learn nothing from that magic. But if he worked for it and fought back and built up his spiritual muscles and built up his brain and his mind and his intelligence and his way of thinking and built these things up over time and over agony and over distress and over suffering, he would become a man. A boy has to suffer to become a man. He has to get some scars. He has to get some broken bones. He has to get some cuts and some scrapes. He has to fall off his bike. He has to experience and obtain and win battle scars. Masculinity is not toxic, but it is definitely tough. It is definitely tough. A guy needs to learn how to be tough. And you can't learn toughness and to be tough and to be masculine and to be a man if everybody is pacifying you and sticking a pacifier in your mouth. But that's what people want as a pacifier. They want a pacifier when they believe in a pre-tribulation rapture fairy tale. The pre-trib rapture is nothing but a baby pacifier, a fairy tale, a magic trick that God is going to snap his fingers and wink his eye and you're gone. You won't have to suffer. The pre-trib fairy tale is as gay 
And it is as much an abomination to God as homosexuality. The pre-trib rapture fairy tale is one of the most dangerous doctrines that have ever hit this earth. And that pre-trib fairy tale and the pastors that have held you down in bondage, in the prison of corruption, the prison of sin, the prison of false doctrine, and the darkness of Babylon, those pastors like John Hagee, evil be his name, They will suffer the judgment hand of God for their lies and deceptions, corrupting the Bible and twisting the Bible around to fit a demonic doctrine for the demonic purpose and the spiritual purpose that you would not be prepared for the harshness and reality of the great tribulation. The pastors out there of your typical corner street church, those pastors hold the people down in bondage to fantasies and fairy tales and magic spells and witchcraft. Every day, and the people blindly follow, and they're responsible for pacifying and keeping keeping people immature and keeping people blind and ignorant of the Bible, blind and ignorant of Scripture, and a childlike mentality that anything you want from God, all you got to do is ask for it, you're going to have it. Yes, the Bible says that, but you got to read the whole Bible. And the Bible also says about working for it. The Bible talks about going on the offensive. The Bible talks about everything needing to be in the center of God's will. So if it's not God's will for you to win the lottery, then you're not going to win the lottery no matter how much you ask for it. God is not a genie. It doesn't work that way. It has to be in God's will when you ask for it. That's in the Bible too. But the pastors pick and choose and they don't want you to read the other verse and the other chapter and the other book. They don't want you to actually study and get deep in the scripture. They want to just pacify you and make you feel good. As long as they don't step on your toes and as long as they don't offend you, Just be pacified. Just feel good. That's your typical pastor. And it is a feel-good message. That God will do everything. God will do everything for you. You don't have to do nothing yourself. It's a feel-good message. And it's not reality. And it's a feel-good message to believe in a pre-trib rapture fairy tale. It is a feel-good theology. It is a tickle the ear. Keep to you false teachers that tickle your ear, as it says in Timothy. We're fast approaching the great, great, great tribulation. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. We need it. Praise God. We need suffering. God allows suffering because it is how we learn. 
It is how we build character. It is how we become a real person. Amen. Thank God that he allows suffering. Thank God. Because not everybody should be a wimp. Amen. And finally, let's go to John 3, and then we'll close. If God allows us. John chapter 3. Page 104. Page 104. John 3, verse 1. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Judeans. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from fields, from God, as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless Theos is with them. And Jesus answered and said to him, Amen. Amen, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Theos, the kingdom of God. He didn't say heaven. He said the kingdom of Theos. Learn this. Learn it. Amen. Now, unless you're born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a person be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mom's womb and be born, can he? And Jesus answered, Amen. Amen, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of the earth. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from and where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the breath or of the spirit. Amen. Now, a lot of people get this confused because this is very, very, very symbolic spiritual talk. Amen. So that's why it was difficult for Nicodemus to understand it also because the Pharisees were very fleshly-minded. They did not understand spiritual things. They knew the law. They knew the scripture. But they couldn't understand the spirit of the law and the principle and the spirit of Scripture. They knew all the A's and Z's, A, B, C. They could read, they could write, they were well-educated. Well, they knew religion front and back, but they didn't know God, and God is spirit. And to understand these things, you must think spiritually. You must think spiritually, not physically. So to understand this, you also got to cross-reference. As we did a sermon recently about how to study the Bible, you must cross-reference. So in verse 6, where it says, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit, and flesh is flesh. So a lot of people think, well, you're not really born again until you are resurrected. 
That's an easy conclusion to make because that is carnal, physical thinking. It's not symbolic. It's taking it little. Like the Pharisees take everything little. Okay? So a lot of people take everything little. They're not spiritually minded. They don't spiritually think. But Jesus is speaking very spiritual here, not physical. So let's cross-reference. Let's keep a finger here or a bookmark here, a piece of paper here. And let's turn to Romans 8, verse 9. Romans 8, verse 9. Page 169, Romans 8, verse 9. However, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of Theos dwells in you. Amen. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Amen. This is such an important verse. Amen. You're not in the flesh if you're in the spirit if you truly have the spirit of God in you. To belong to Christ, you have to have the spirit of God in you. Without the spirit of Christ, you do not belong to him spiritually. Amen. So then we go back to John 3, verse 6. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. If you compare Romans 8, what we just read, the Bible explains itself. The Bible explains itself. So when you are born again, this is talking about baptism in the water because you have to read the whole chapter. You've got to read all of John. You have to read Acts 2. You've got to read the whole Bible to really understand it. But it's spiritually speaking here in John 3 because if you have God's spirit in you, even though you might still be in the flesh, physically speaking, you might still have a human flesh body, physically speaking, but if you have God's spirit, the Holy Ghost of Jesus inside you, then in God's eyes, spiritually speaking, you're not walking in the flesh. You're walking in the Spirit. You're speaking in the Spirit. You're listening in the Spirit. You're living in the Spirit so that you can discern spiritual things. It is written in the book of Corinthians that you cannot understand spiritual things unless you have the Spirit of God. Those that are in the flesh, in their mind, in your heart, in your mentality, in the way you think of things, if you think of everything literal, and physical, carnally, with human wisdom, which is not wisdom at all, but let's say human intelligence, your own, your own reasoning, your own reasoning, then you are carnal, fleshly minded. And you cannot understand spiritual things and you're not in the spirit. But once you are baptized and you receive the spirit of God, and I'll say it that way because Acts 2, verse 17 and 18 says that you must, that you must be born, that you must be baptized, and that you must be baptized to receive the Holy Ghost of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. 
and Mark 16, 16 says that those that are, uh, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. Mark 16, 16, those that believe and are baptized shall be saved. If you have the Spirit of God in you, you're saved. You belong to God. And then and then you walk in the Spirit. You hear in the Spirit. You talk in the Spirit. You obey God in the Spirit. Without the Spirit of God, you cannot obey God. That's another thing nobody told me, that nobody told me when I was crying out, praying for deliverance, and gave up. Because nobody said to me, you can't do this on your own. You've got to get baptized. I thought I couldn't get baptized because I was too sinful. This is the way a lot of people think. A lot of people think. You can't get baptized because you're too dirty. You can't get wet. You can't take a bath because you're too dirty. The reality is you can't get clean without getting washed by the Spirit of God. You can't perform righteousness and obey God's laws without God's spirit because you've got to be spirit in order to obey spirit. You've got to become spiritually minded. You've got to become spiritually living. You've got to become spirit by being born of the spirit because once you receive the seed of life, eternal life in you, then you have eternal life. Amen. And therefore, your spirit now, if you have the spirit of God, you have eternal life. You have God in you. Therefore, you have the resurrection without even being resurrected. You have the resurrection in you, and you are already seated in heaven. The Bible says this in Ephesians, that you're already seated in heaven. These are spiritually words. These are not physical words. Carnal men, lost men, cannot understand these things because it's how can a man do this? How can you be spirit when you're in the flesh? How is that possible? Because you're too literal-minded. I'm talking spiritual, and Jesus was talking spiritual. And my point is this. A lot of people say or think that people might be born again, but they're not. No one is born gay. You adapt to society, to the corruption, to the wickedness, to the sin, to what people tell you is okay. And people just give up. And they surrender to the temptation. They surrender to the homosexuality. You learn it. It evolves. You're not born corrupted. You are not born corrupted. But even if a person was to be born corrupted, even if a person was to be born gay, the Bible says that you must be born again. So it's really not an excuse, even if somebody were, by some circumstance, to be born gay, Jesus says you must be born again. Amen. So they can't use that excuse. Like it said in Romans, there's no excuse for them. There is no excuse. They can't use that excuse because we all must be born again, every one of us. 
We must be born again. That means we must receive God's Spirit in us now. Jesus ain't saying you've got to be born again way, 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 way in the future when he comes at the resurrection. That's not what he's saying. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to think that Jesus is saying that you've got to wait until the resurrection to be born again. That doesn't make no sense at all. That's not logical. He's talking about something that Nicodemus needed right then and there. He was talking about something that Nicodemus needed for his life right then and there, that Nicodemus needed the Spirit of God, that Nicodemus needed to get saved, that Nicodemus needed to get baptized. And if you read John, there is a theme of water and baptism throughout, throughout the book of John. Jesus himself didn't baptize. Amen. And then immediately, his disciples, under Jesus' direction, going out baptizing people, left and right, all over the place. That is the theme of the book of John. So, the, the woman at the water of whale, the whale of water, and other things, and even water coming out from his side when he was pierced. All of this. Water, 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 water. Through the book of John. You need water. Amen. You've got to have the water. You've got to be baptized. You've got to read the whole book. You've got to read the whole book to understand it. Praise God. And on the website, I have an article, How to Overcome a Homosexual Lifestyle. Now, we, we must face reality. The person is still going to be tempted, and they're going to have a relapse. They are. Okay? They're going to make mistakes, and it's going to take time, time, Many years, many years to completely conquer it in the flesh and in the mind. It takes a long time to overcome a very strong addiction. But it's not impossible. For with the Lord, there is nothing impossible. Nothing. A person absolutely can be delivered but you have to do a lot of work. You've got to work for it. How to Overcome a Homosexual Lifestyle at isawthelightministries.com slash gayhelp. That's one word, gayhelp, all small letters, dot html. Again, that's isawthelightministries.com slash gayhelp, dot html. So anybody that might be suffering with this themselves, read that article. It's got videos. It's got steps, everything you need to do, like fasting and forsaking people that's holding you in bondage. And I tell you something else, for everyone, for everyone, you need to forsake these pastors that are holding you in bondage to deception, false teachings, false doctrines, of that, that God is three. 
testing mind. God is three. The Bible never says that. It does not say it, that God is three. God is one, it says that, more than once. And the Bible really doesn't contradict itself as long as it's translated correctly, except for where Paul made a couple of mistakes. But even then, most of the time, he said it's just his opinion. But God himself, God himself, he doesn't contradict himself. And the truth is the truth, no matter what. The truth is the truth. Well, thank you for listening. You've been listening to the live worship services of I Saw the Light Ministries. Please check out the website at isawthelightministries.com. We have articles about prophecy law and commandments, salvation and deliverance, and many other articles there on the website, over 200 articles. We have videos and worship music as well, and we also publish the Alpha and Omega Bible, the restoration of the original scriptures, using many manuscripts, many manuscripts. Uh, we have prepared, I believe, over 30 translations when we look at some of these verses and examine them carefully, going through, looking to see what all the different translations say and how they translate it, and looking at the Greek words, Hebrew and Aramaic, and seeking the Lord as well. And that's very important because many of these people that translate Bibles, they go by the ABC, but they don't go by the Spirit. And they go by traditional traditional words, instead of taking a honest look at what the word really means. And that is the problem of a lot of these other translations, including the King James, including the King James Version. A lot of words are translated only by tradition and not taking an honest look at what the word actually meant. All right, Brother Gerald, you got anything to add? And anybody, if the chat room is available, I don't know if it is or not, but if anybody has any question, you would be typing it in if it would let you do that. All right, Brother Gerald? The second log I threw into that fire looks like a spitting image of a big dead. Okay. Anything else? Way things are going, which is God may God war. If you don't burn your own eyes, someone else will. Amen. Praise God. Okay, and I must also say this on a different topic. That in the past few weeks, and especially just in the last two or three days, we're seeing a whole lot more military movement in Russia. And I think, and I believe, that the reality is if we had more insight into China, we would also see a lot of military movement inside China right now, too. But China is even a more closed society than what Russia is. China is much more controlled than what Russia is. And I believe we're going to start being able to see some Chinese military movements soon. They won't be able to hide it 
for much longer if they're moving a lot of military, which I believe that they are. Make no mistake about it. We are extremely close to the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38, the Gog Magog War. Very, 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 very close. I've got a 22 calendar here. Yeah, I've got some order. But today's the 15th. So in three days from now, it'll be January 18th. Then you're going to have a month until February 18th and another month until March 18th. So that's two months. Two months and three days. And February always has less days than the other month. So basically about two months until the abomination of desolation. Two months away until the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel chapter 12 and Matthew 24. Now the Bible also calls that event in 2 Thessalonians 2, it calls it the strong delusion or the strong deception, very strong deception. It will be a huge deception. The purpose of the pre-trib rapture fairy tale is to cause you, to cause many people to fall on their knees to worship the Antichrist when he appears in heaven, in the sky. Now that might sound, oh, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You're insane. But read 2 Thessalonians 2. And read in Ezekiel, where the devil tried to do this before. Where the devil, even in the book of Revelation chapter 12, it tells you also that the devil once before had tried to fight God in a war in heaven and that it's going to be repeated right before the great tribulation. It's very clear in Revelation 12, the time is a repeating of what had already occurred being repeated just right before the end time great tribulation. A war in heaven, Satan and his angels fighting Michael, the archangel, and his, and his angels in heaven, a war in heaven. And if you compare all of the Bible, including Daniel 12 and Matthew 24 and 2 Thessalonians 2 and Ezekiel, you compare all of this and more, then you come to the conclusion, the right and true conclusion. that the Antichrist is not human. We've got to think spiritually. The Antichrist is not going to deceive the majority of the world, as the Bible does speak of, just by being a human standing on the Temple Mount. That's not going to deceive the majority of the world, just a man standing on the Temple Mount. It's going to be a strong deception, a strong delusion to fool the people that believe in the lie, it says, 2 Thessalonians 2, that God will send this upon them because they believe a lie and love not the truth. The Bible says this. So what lie have they believed? 
context is very clear. It's the lie of, a, of God, of Jesus, coming in the sky, but rather it will be the Antichrist that comes in the sky because he's fallen angel and not human. And even the witches in the Middle East know that Assad is the name of the angel that controls the tarot cards and the crystal ball. They know this in the Middle East, in Arabic, that Assad is the name of the angel that they prayed to for witchcraft. And the Bible calls the Antichrist the Assyrian, the Assyrian over and over and over, the Assyrian, not the Roman, not the Catholic, although the Roman Catholics were evil too, and they will be right there by his side. Both of the popes will be right there by his side as the two horns of the false prophet. Two horns is two people. Ten horns is ten people. One horn, and this is easy, this is simple, but Babylon has corrupted your mind to think that the false prophet is only one person, but it says the false prophet has two horns, and yet the Bible says ten horns is ten end-time kings, so two horns is two P-Mag beings. Common sense logic is easy once you throw out the window what religion has taught you and what all the false preachers have taught you and they don't even know nothing, hardly nothing about the Bible. They can't even know that two equals two. They say two equals one. What do they call it? Common core. Common core. Your typical preacher out there believes in common core, that two is only one. But two horns is two. Two is two. So you should call out your pastors for his common core demonic crap that he teaches. Amen. You need to tell your pastor he needs to learn the Bible, then come back and preach. Amen. You'll see it fulfilled. You'll see it fulfilled. So anyway, we're about to see the invasion of Ukraine. And not Ukraine only, but the invasion of Sweden. The invasion of Lithuania, the, uh, the invasion of Poland, the invasion of Israel, the invasion of America and England and Scotland and Ireland and Norway, Taiwan, South Korea, Australia, and Canada, and Jamaica. We're about to see the invasion pretty much of every nation on earth. It's going to be taken over. The Bible says every nation will be taken over by the Antichrist. Every nation on earth. But we have to remember that God has a plan. And it will be God's way or the highway. And we must stop trying to pray it away. And we must accept the reality that war is coming and this time we're not going to defeat it. But we've got to embrace it and let the guys grow up and fight a war that will be the greatest thing that could ever happen to them in their lives. Amen. 
to turn them into real men and turn the females into females so they can stop acting so macho. It'll be the greatest thing for all of us. It really will, even if it hurts. It's going to be the greatest thing. God has a plan. Everything has to be brought back to primitive society. Primitive society. Without the internet, without the TV, without the computers, without 5G, the best thing that could ever happen to us is for us to lose all these things that have corrupted humanity. Take us back to the horse and buggy days. Take us back to raising our own food. Take us back to using the fruits and the vegetables and the flowers and the trees and the tree bark and the herbs of the field for medicine. Take us back to killing chickens for our food and killing hogs for our food. Take us back to hunting. Take us back the way God designed it to be. Take us out of the grocery stores and out of the commercial buildings and out of the computer office. Take us out of the four walls and bring us back under the trees again. And this time when we come under the trees, let us make the right decision. Instead of trying to choose for ourselves right and wrong and thinking that we're better than God and we know better than God and we do what we want, let us make the right decision under that tree this time. Let us accept the commandments of the Lord, the law of God, His holy days, His way, and not our own. It's going to be God's way or the highway. Choose which way you go. Choose who you would serve this day for the rest of your life. Make a decision. Get a made-up mind. Make up your mind. Get, get your mind made up. Choose who you're going to serve and fight for it. Choose who you are going to serve and which way you are going to live. Make up your mind and stop sitting on the fence. Make a decision and whatever way you go, Do it with all of your heart, all of your mind. Because God would rather that you fight against him rather than to sit on the fence and do nothing. He would spit you out of his mouth. He would vomit you out if you are just lukewarm. Because then your, your whole life, your whole existence is in vain if you don't work for nothing. At least the demonic side is serving a purpose. Even though it might be demonic, even though it's against God, at least it serves a purpose in life. But when people sit on the fence and not make a decision and not go either direction, either way, those are the ones that will die first. Because they are nothing but what the Bible says they are, the dung of the earth. They are nothing but crap. They are in vain, and their whole existence is in vain. They're worthless. 
God can't use them. The devil won't use them. They have no purpose in life. Make up your mind which way you're going to go. Do it now. And then do it. Amen. God is good. God is good. He doesn't need to get a passion. God will help. God will strengthen. God is the way and the door. We praise God for everything He's done today. We thank you, Lord Heavenly Father, for what you've done today, for confirming your own word, for giving us more understanding, more knowledge, more wisdom. Thank you for calling us and choosing us for this day and this time. We pray that each one of us individually would do our part to make a difference. That we would work. That we would be the laborers. That we would not expect for others to come to be the laborers, but that we would stand up and do our part and be the laborers ourselves. But we also do pray for more brothers and sisters to come to do their part, that other people will be saved and delivered and healed by the power of God Almighty in Jesus' name. We pray that the hindrances be removed, the stumbling blocks be removed, the evil pastors be removed, those that lead your people to destruction, that they be removed, that John Hagee be removed, that Joel Osteen be removed, that Rick Warren be removed, that Benny Hinn be removed, that other false prophets and false preachers be removed, so that people be delivered, so that the sheep may be set free so that people will see the light of Jesus Christ. That people may be delivered from the bondage of these false teachers and from their witchcraft, from their delusions, and from their ignorance, and from their darkness. We pray for the light of God shining more hearts and more minds. Save them and deliver them from themselves and from the corrupt society. We pray for young men to stand up and be men. We pray for women to find their role. We pray for certain marriages to be saved others to be broken apart, each one according to your own will and not our own. 
We pray for people to get it made up mind. Serve the Lord. Or else get out of the way. Serve the enemy. Either way that they would fight and make a stand. But we don't need people standing in the middle of the hallway getting in the way that don't serve a purpose. Let every man and every woman fight for a purpose, for destiny. Let every man and woman make a stand. But may it be for the Lord. May it be for the Almighty God of life. May it be for life and not for death. That everyone make their own mountain up. Which way they will go. We pray for life and for my house we will serve the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for guiding the way. Your word is a light to my path, a lamp for my feet, that I may see very clearly the steps I need to take. Please give me the power and the strength to make each step. Guide me the rest of the way with your voice. Let me hear your voice, know it, and acknowledge it. Please help me to learn your voice, your spirit, and your hand. Please help me to learn your heart and your mind. Please help me to become your body and your spirit. Help us to become one. Please fix our marriages, our life, our heart, our mind. Please realign us the center of your will and in agreement with your spirit. Please help us, Lord. Please help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Praise Jesus. Amen. And everybody say, praise Jesus. Amen. Praise God. I'm looking for a song. If I can find it. God is good. We have live worship services every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Every Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time Zone. So we invite you to come back next Saturday and every Saturday at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. It's like I can't find that song, but that's okay. So what we're going to do right now, we're going to end the broadcast. And then you'll have a few seconds or a minute of silence. And then we'll be back with our normal, regular programming that we have 24 hours a day, seven days a week on this Internet radio. This Gospel of the Kingdom is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Christian Internet radio, broadcasting traditional worship music, gospel, bluegrass, southern gospel, as well as documentaries, recorded sermons, live sermons, breaking news, and other content right here on This Gospel of the Kingdom brought to you by I Saw the Light Ministries. This concludes this broadcast, and we will have a moment of silence for 30 seconds to a minute or less.
then we'll be right back with whatever the computer automatically chooses to play next. Thank you for listening.